Well, I want to welcome you to Crossroads Live. My name is Matt Manning, and I am the senior pastor of this church. And I can't tell you how, uh, what a pleasure it is actually to be able to say that. I love this church. Uh, this church has been my home for many, many years, and I just love being a part of this church. Well, if you are brand new with us uh, here at Crossroads Church, I want to say welcome to you. Uh, I am so glad that you have decided to join us today. Whether you have joined us uh, through Crossroads Live, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you may be, I'm thankful that you are here and with us uh, for this hour as we worship our God. If you're a regular here at Crossroads Church, man, I'm so thankful uh, that you've joined with us today. Today is a big day as we are starting a brand new sermon series, a two-week sermon series called Dream Big. Now today really is kind of like the going public of a big dream that we've been working on for the last 10 months. We've been planning it, we've been praying over it at times, even wrestling through this big dream. And when it comes to this big dream, it's this big dream that is so big that it will actually fundamentally change the way that we do church and really change the experience or the way that we envision ourselves as a congregation reaching out into uh, the community that we are a part of. And so today, as we jump into what God has for us and as we work our way uh, through today, what I'm going to ask you to do is very simple. I'm just going to ask you if you would just dream with us, if you would just dream with me. And maybe in your dream, maybe God would speak to us. See, when it comes to the scriptures, I believe that God is speaking to us, that God is a God who loves to communicate with us, that he's speaking all the time to us. And, and the issue that we have is not an issue of, of whether God is speaking or not, but rather, rather whether we are tuned to be able to hear God speak. Now, when it comes to the Proverbs or the Bible, when we open the scriptures and we open to the Proverbs, there's a very famous verse in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 18. World leaders have quoted it, people who are both Christian and non-Christian, non-profits. Uh, people have quoted it all over the world. And the verse, the famous verse that I'm referring to, is this verse. It says, where there is no vision, where there is no vision, people perish. The people perish. Now, when it comes to that word vision in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is calzon. Now, it sounds a lot like calzon, but it's calzon. But you can remember it by remembering calzon. If you and Ben Wyatt are big into calzones, you know, where pizza in 20 years will just be like old people's calzones, that's the way that you can think of it. That's the word, calzon, okay? Now, calzon, when translated for us, is translated vision, revelation, or a dream. That oftentimes when we open our scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, and look, the word calzon is translated for us in the idea and the understanding of dreams. That when we open the scriptures, one of the things that we discover about God is that the language that God speaks to us in, in is through dreams and visions. That's God's language of speaking. And when it comes to these visions and dreams that God has for us, that it's in those moments that he, he gives us ideas, supernatural ideas, where he whispers to us directions where we're to go and, and what we're to do. Directions that we would not have come up with on our own. And according to this verse, those dreams that God gives to us is key, it's key to our own personal flourishing. See, listen, the verse says, where there is no dreams, people perish. Now, when the great King Solomon wrote this, he wasn't thinking in terms of like perishing, like, like being dead, dead, like in the ground dead. But rather, where there's no dreams, where there's no visions, that's where hope perishes. That's where aspirations go to, go to die. That's where people, and dare I say churches, wander around this world like the living dead. They're, they're able to walk everywhere they go, but, but, 
but they're really dead. They're dead. And maybe all that they're missing, maybe the only thing that's missing is a God-sized dream to inspire us to the life that we can live. And so today I want to share a little dream with you, or actually not a little dream, but a, but a big, amazing dream with you. I want to share a story with you. Almost 60 years ago, a small church started in the outskirts of an ever-expanding American city. This group of faithful men and women had a big dream. Their big dream was to establish a church where people moving into the area could thrive, find, discover, and grow in Jesus. These courageous church planters loved God and they loved Jesus. And as the decades passed, the church grew. And it blossomed alongside the city that as pastures and, and farmland turned into suburbs and neighborhoods, the city grew as did the church. That many people found Jesus through this emerging congregation. It was an exciting time. Their dream was becoming a reality that God was doing amazing work, that people were finding new hope in Jesus, just like the dream that they had dreamed. And then something happened. As the city continued to grow, so did the church, but not in the way that it had done in the past. In fact, something had changed. Something significant had changed. Unintentionally, the church stopped attracting as many people who were unfamiliar with Jesus. And instead, what started to happen is that this church started to attract people who were simply from other churches. Now, to be sure, the churches in which these other people came from were not bad churches. It wasn't like they had gotten away from the Bible or stopped caring about the community. None of that was going on. In fact, some of these churches had just died, that they just, that they just ended. For others, these, these people were, were looking for something bigger, for something more exciting, for, for programs that were, that were bigger than what they were, that, what they were used to, what they were used to. That as they jumped into this, as people started to come, and as these transfers settled in, they felt at home in this church. And the church that had started with such a big dream didn't even realize what was going on. They continued to grow, collecting more and more people. Hundreds upon hundreds of people over the years came into this church, taking advantage of its energetic programs and ultimately its buildings. And as this church grew, their reach to those not connected with Jesus began to change as well. The church served the community more than ever before, faithfully supplying the needs of many people in their community, but supplying resources to people in need. But the beneficiaries of that connection weren't actually connecting to Jesus or the church. The church with this big dream was very, very busy, and they just assumed that, that there was much fruit from all their labor, all their activities. And though their service and generosity landed this big-hearted congregation and even gained the respect of the governing authorities, they actually became known as the serving church. As they met tangible needs, even with that type of reputation, the people were not connecting to Jesus. After 60 years, this big dream that had launched this church felt so Distant. Felt so distant. Now hopefully it's no surprise to you that this story of a little church with a big dream is actually our story at Crossroads Church. That this is Crossroads Church's history. 
And over the last 10 months, as the leadership and the boards have have done some hard work of, of asking God, God, would you give us a new dream? Would you give us a new vision? We first realized that we had to do some hard soul searching to figure out where we're at and who we actually are. And in the midst of that hard soul searching, we discovered some things about ourselves, and I just want to share a few of them with you. The first thing that we discovered about ourselves is that for 49 of the last 58 years, we have seen steady growth. But for most of our history, that growth has been attributed to church transfer growth. This, became, this never became more real than in January. When we were in a business meeting, there was 150 people gathered at our Thornton location. And, and as I was leading that business meeting and sharing some of this stuff, I just had the thought, maybe just ask the question. And so with the 150 people there, I asked the question. I said, how many of you have come from another church? How many of you came to Crossroads from another church? And out of the 150 people, 99% raised their hands. People who had come to this church looking for effective programs and and high-energy events. The second thing that we discovered is is that we're a very complex church with many activities, but, but we seem to primarily meet the needs of those who are already following Jesus and have followed Jesus for a long time. In other words, the way that we could say it is that we've created a church that church people love to attend. Now, listen, I love church people. I'm a church person, right? Like, I love that Crossroads Church has a makeup of people who have walked with Jesus, not just for like days, but for decades. That that faithfulness is mind-blowing to me. But when I step back and, and think about the church and the needs that we're meeting within our church specifically, but also within our community. And I look at that and I say our primary need is to those who already know Jesus. There's a tension that's set up for me, and the tension is this. That when I read the scriptures, and specifically when I open up the New Testament and read about the church, what I discover more than anything is that when it comes to the church, that the church has a distinct plan, that God has a distinct plan for people who are outside the church as much as those who are in it. The third thing that we discovered is that in our soul searching, that while we have faithfully served our community and supplied many tangible services, those efforts have not led to reaching people for Jesus. That our serving has not led people toward Jesus. And the only word that I can think of to summarize that is frustrating. That's frustrating to us. The amount of time and energy and resource that we've, that we've pulled in to see so very, so very few fruits, so, so little fruits come to people knowing, actually knowing Jesus. The fourth thing that we discovered about ourselves is internally that we're growing older and less diverse year after year. And yet when you look out of our communities, whether that be in Fort Lupton or Thornton or North Glen, Westminster, Broomfield, Brighton, Federal Heights, that when you look at those cities and the demographics of those cities, that they are becoming younger and more diverse. That every year as a church, the difference between who we are as a church and what we see in our community is growing year after year after year. That as we looked at all of this, we, we decided and realized actually that we haven't pushed ourselves hard enough to see through the eyes of the unchurched and the spiritually alienated. That the big dream that that started this church, where people in the area could, could move in and thrive and find and discover and grow in Jesus, at some point just faded away. And it wasn't intentional. It wasn't on purpose. It, it wasn't by design or by plan. It just happened. 
The dream just faded away. And obviously, as I, I speak to this, there's not a single person who wants to stay here, right? I mean, I mean, none of us want to stay in this moment and in this spot as a church. And maybe, just maybe, what we need is a big, fresh dream from God. A big, fresh dream from God. So that we're not the walking dead, but so that our hopes come alive as we live out our life as a church. And so for the last 10 months, your church leadership has spent time tuning their ears to hearing God speak. Tuning our ears so that we could hear from God. And in the midst of us tuning on our ears to him, we asked for a vision, a revelation, a dream that we could run after. And we believe that God has spoken that dream to us. That we believe that God has spoken to Crossroads Church to become, in the next five years, a multi-ethnic, uh, multi-generational church focused on making disciples of the next generation, our kids and our grandkids. Let me say that again. That as we look out of what God is calling us to be about, as we think about the dream that he has given to us, that we as a church want to expand our kingdom impact in our communities and all around the world by becoming, in the next five years, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church focused on making disciples of the next generation, our kids and our grandkids. That this dream is a big dream that God has spoken over us. And we believe that he's calling us to become a church of people who know how to be enthusiastic friends and connect with those in our neighborhoods, in our social circles, and in our workplaces. People who, whose friends are thankful for us because of our compassion and our care and our grace for them. Where our neighbors know that we're Christians, but even more than that, they're also intrigued by, by how much or how we live our lives and how much we care about their stories and their lives, whatever that might look like. The place where we invite our pre-Christian friends into the messiness of our own lives so that they can see how Jesus is empowering us to live out hope and peace in this world. That this big dream of ours or that God has given to us as a church is where we see that the activities that we spend our time and our resources on can have a direct goal of lovingly connecting people to Jesus and into the life of this church. That we say it all the time here, that church isn't just something that we do. But church is actually who we are, that, that we are the church. And as the church, we lovingly invite people to, that we care about into warm and accepting space where we can rethink community events so that the events that we host will be intentionally built to empower us, the church, to engage relationally with those in the community, inviting our friends, our families, and our neighbors. But this big dream is a big dream for us to become a church with a presence in the digital world that is inviting and cheerful and full of joy. That one of the things this COVID season has brought to us that we all begin to realize is that the digital world can be quite cold and mundane at times. And yet we believe that, that through creativity, that we can create a goal of, of connecting with people and creating within them a desire to know more about this church and more about the God who loves them an awful lot. At the end of the day, we want to connect with people, and every person that we want to connect with is living in the digital worlds. It's a big dream 
that calls us to be a church that when we gather, something special happens in our midst. That it doesn't feel religious with insider language, but rather when we gather together, when we gather, there's an excitement and a hope and a tangible experience that God, listen, that God is actually dwelling among us. That we use the language of our culture and the music. And in doing so, We pull something within all of us that tugs at our hearts that when we leave, that we actually long for more because of what we've experienced. That we create a gathering that ultimately honors the God whom we love, feeds the believers who have walked with Jesus and is accessible to those in our community so that they can see the love of God and ultimately see that God is good and that this church, his church, is meaningful. The big dream is a dream where we believe that God is, is working actively in our lives for life change. That it doesn't matter where you come from or what you know or even how little you know. That there's a simple path of connecting with others and then growing in love and responding to Jesus in ways that are deeply satisfying. We see where men, women, teenagers, couples, singles, kids come together in community groups invited to know and discover Jesus and all that he has prepared for them in this adventure of life. That when it comes to this big dream, growth will be measured not in how much we know or how busy we are, but rather how well we love people. That the palpable invitation will be to live into community, to have clear paths for people for all ages to grow in their faith. That will encourage families and individuals to cultivate a biblical lifestyle within the church and the community in which they live. That we can be a church where people are cared for primarily by each other as we simply learn to love as the Holy Spirit empowers us to love. And rather than a hierarchy of of pastoral authority, that we empower people to go out and to be pastors into the world, where we we lean on a, a sea of volunteers and community leaders that sit with people in hospitals and, and grieve when people grieve and celebrate when people are celebrating, that we walk with people through the joys and the sorrows of this life, that we can be a light in the dark world, a dark world that need, deeply needs Jesus, but has no idea how to experience him. That that's the big dream, that in five years, that we become a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church focused on making disciples of the next generation. And as I speak that dream out, and as you hear that, wherever you're at listening to that, there's a part of every single one of us that goes, yeah, I want to be a part of a church like that. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a church, a part of a church like that? And yet almost immediately, what every single one of us, every single one of us asks this question, well, how do we do it? What does it look like? What does it look like to see that dream become a reality? How do we make that real in our lives? Well, that's a great question. And the way that we go about doing this, the way that we go about making this big dream real, is to focus all of our attention, every ministry, every individual's energy on just a few specific things. In other words, we we ask the question, what are the key things or or the battles that we're going to focus all of our energy on in order to see this dream become reality in the next five years? Well, let me tell you how this works with NASA in the 1960s. 
1961, the U.S. space program wanted to go to the moon. In fact, some of you are old enough to remember in 1961 when President Kennedy stood up and said, we're going to go to the moon and back by the end of this decade. Like in that moment, he painted a picture of a big, audacious dream. And in that moment, he drew a line in the sand. And he said, this is where we start, Earth. And where we're going is to the moon and back. That was important for recruiting, right? And then he said, and we're going to do it. The deadline is by the end of the decade. We have nine years to make it happen. This was an audacious big dream. And when Kennedy said that we're going to the moon, all across the United States, there was hope and aspirations. But it was a dream. It was just a dream. When NASA heard the goal of, of going to the moon and back, the NASA engineers sat down and they started to think that there's a million things that we can do in order to accomplish this dream. But if we focus on three things, then this dream has a real shot at becoming reality. And the three things that they decided to focus on was navigation, propulsion, and life support. Navigation the moon wasn't standing still. It's like shooting a bullet with a bullet, right? How do you land a space shuttle on the moon? Like, what does that look like? Propulsion was the second thing that they had to figure out. That they knew that they needed to go 25,000 miles per hour to get off this rock that we call home. The third thing was life support. That no one had a clue of how do you keep somebody alive in space where you know there's no oxygen. Like, how do you go about doing that? They had no idea, but they knew that if they could figure out just those three things, those three things, then they could make this dream a reality. On July 20th, 1969, the U.S. landed on the moon. You've probably seen the history or the, your, the picture in the history books where we have the American flag planted into the moon. It was a moment of, of great joy across our nation. Now, to be sure, this dream that Kennedy painted in 1961, when he spoke it, it was absolutely outlandish. outlandish. The, most, the smartphone that most of us carry in our pockets has about a million times more capacity when it comes to technology than they had in the 1960s. I mean, we had no business putting people on the moon. We were using slide rules to make it happen. It's crazy. But in 1969... They figured it out. In 1969, man landed on the moon because they figured out the three things, the few things that would make this dream become a reality. Now, I believe that God has given us equally as big a dream. That he has called our church in the next five years to become a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church focused on making disciples of the next generation. And today as we stand here, we, we draw the line in the sand and we say the starting point is right now. Where we're headed is as a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church focused on making disciples. That's where we're going. And our deadline is in five years. That's where we're going. And like NASA in the 60s, there's a million things that we, that we could do. But for this dream to become a reality, we need to focus on just a few things, just a few goals where we drive everything in order to become what God is calling us to be. And I just need you to know that as I share this with you today, there's an irrational optimism 
that's driving me in this. And at times I feel a little bit like the NASA engineers thinking we got no business. We have no business trying to land this church on the moon. Because as I look at this, this isn't just a small dream. This is a huge, huge dream. A big dream that God has spoken over us. A big dream that I believe that God is calling us to. And the way that we can accomplish it is by focusing just on a few things. In fact, on five things. I want to share those five things with you. Five goals. That if we focus on these five goals, this dream will become a reality. The first one is this. If we want to become a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church, then we need to mobilize our church to reach 5,000 of our neighbors through what we call 4D. Now, if you haven't heard about living in 4D, it's just simply an outreach thing that we came up with to help mobilize our people to move out into the neighborhoods. In fact, just a few months ago, if you're a part of Crossroads, we taught a whole series on being the church where we focused on this 4D type of living. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that, let me just rattle through the 4Ds real quick. 4D, the first D is this, is that we determine that we're determined to serve our neighborhood. That when we look out at our communities in our neighborhood, that we just decide that we're determined to serve. The second thing is that we develop friendships. That's what we do. We develop friendships within the communities. The third is that once those friendships are developed, that we begin to discover their story. And then finally, we display the gospel story of our own lives. That we go out and we share the gospel in our own lives. That's 4D. Now, if we are able as a church to mobilize in such a way that we actually reach 5,000 of our neighbors who, by the very demographics, are multi-ethnic and multi-generational in our communities, then we achieve that goal, that we become reflective of the community in which God has called us to be. And I'm telling you, if we're able to do that, that would be incredible. That would be awesome. The second thing is this, is that when we begin to engage our neighbors, the first place that they're going to go is online. And so we want to connect 10,000 people digitally online every week. Look, wherever you go, you go through a screen first. COVID has ultimately changed everything in this world. And for the first time in a long time, the church has had to catch up to the way that the rest of the world works. We're, we're no longer living in an analog world, but rather every single one of us operates both in the analog and in the digital world. And at the end of the day, like I said before, we want to reach people and everybody we want to reach is ultimately online. But that's not where it stops for us. That ultimately, we want people to find their hope in Jesus. And so the third thing is that we want to lead 1,500 people to Jesus. We want 1,500 people to find healing and freedom and ultimately their purpose in Jesus. And then, number four, we want to connect every single person. We want to engage every single person who calls Crossroads home into a discipleship path. That we want every single person growing spiritually, engaged in discipleship that ultimately leads to community groups, meeting, and homes. So much so that in five years from now, that when we're describing our church, we don't say that we're one church at three locations. No, we say that we're one church in thousands of locations because we have successfully moved spiritual growth out of a building and into homes where it belongs. The fifth focus, the fifth goal for us is to ultimately launch two new churches. That we want to take what we do and, and to multiply it in this community and around the world through our residency program. 
that we want to see churches started and churches begin. We believe that if we are able to achieve these five things, just like NASA was able to, to achieve their three things, if we were able to do these five goals, then we'll see this vision become reality. Now, let me be honest. At this point, we have way more questions than we have answers. Way more questions than we have answers. We're starting to figure out a few things, but, but there are a lot of questions. But the thing that drives us is not that we have answers to all of our questions, but rather that God has given us this big dream. And there's going to be moments in these next five years where we look at each other and we look at ourselves and feel like the NASA engineers of the 60s when we're trying to figure out problems with slide rules. But at least we'll know where we're going because God's given us the vision. He's given us the revelation. He's given us the dream. And we're ready to go to the moon. And so, as we wrap this up, my big ask of you today, just like I said at the beginning, is to simply ask you to dream with us. Would you be willing to dream with us and to see if God would not speak to you in this space? And when I think of these goals, I, I think of, of, of the one person. Like, who is the one person that you're going to invest in and ultimately invite, whether that be into a relationship with Jesus or to the church where they can hear about Jesus, but who are you investing and inviting in? If there was one person, I would just ask you to write that person's name down. Allow God to speak to you. Then when it comes to our neighborhoods, we, we walk through that whole sermon series of the four Ds. And my question is, is where are you living in the midst of that? What step do you need to take in your neighborhood to begin to engage people so that we can become a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church focused on making disciples of the next generation? That one of the greatest tools that, that God has given man in the history of the world is our ability to communicate through the internet. That we open up the pages of scripture, particularly in the New Testament, time and time again, Paul writes these words. He says, I write these things to you even though I long to be with you. That in-house is good, man. We love it. We, we want to be together. But the reality is in those moments when we can't, God has given us an amazing tool to bring about the gospel. How are you leveraging the tool of social media, internet, online presence to bring about the gospel in your own life? Where do you sit when it comes to your own discipleship. Is Sunday enough for you? Hearing a sermon for 25, 30 minutes, hearing a couple of songs, is that enough? Or is there something deep within you that God's whispering, saying that you need to go deeper, you need to take a step more? That when it comes to the goals, that there's a space for each of us to join in. This isn't my dream, this is our dream. This is the dream, the vision, the revelation that God has given to us. And if we can figure those five things out and the role that we play within them, then this church will land on the moon. We'll see God do amazing things. And we can experience hope and joy and flourishing within our church and in the communities and around the world. But it'll, be, it'll mean that ultimately that we're bent on seeing this vision come true. That we're bent on seeing this vision that in the next five years that we become multi-ethnic, multi-generational church focused on making disciples of the next generation, that we would be willing to sell out, to do anything short of sin, to see that vision 
become a reality. Are you willing? We've already started to, to make plans of, of how to engage this. And if you want more information on that, you can go to our business page and check it out. But we're starting to rethink how we do multi-site ministry. We've already started to reorganize the staff in ways to, to see this vision lived out. It'll mean that when it comes to our worship services, for us to think differently about that. And even at times, how we preach, whatever it takes, to see the dream that God's given us become a reality. And so... If you're like me, I'm ready to go. And my ask of you today is if you would just dream big. Let's be the church. Let's dream big. Let's do the impossible. Let's land on the moon. Would you pray with me, Father? Lord, I'm so thankful for the way that you speak to us. That we don't have to wonder if you're speaking, Lord. You're speaking all the time. The question is, are we listening? And so, Lord, over the last 10 weeks, we've done our best as a leadership to attune our ears to what you're saying and the way that you're working. And, Lord, we want to be on vision, on dream with you. And so, Lord, we're dreaming big. We're walking into the unknown. Lord, we know where the start line is. We know what the finish looks like. God, we have the goals to get us there. We ask you for the courage to take steps of faith. Lord, we want to see people come to know you. We want to see people fall in love with you. We want to see people have hope. Lord, we want to see our neighbors, Lord, live in their lives for you. Lord, we want to see a church that's reflective of your community and ultimately what will be reflective of heaven. And so, God, in order to get there, Father, you've, you've given us this dream. So give us the courage to run. Give us the courage to chase it. Lord, do not let the impossible stop us because you're bigger than the impossible. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.